Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Kathy Spooner to the show for part one of their discussion on Kathy's recent book, Attachment-Based Family Therapy. Part two will be released on Tuesday, March 30th. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. This is Karen Doyle Buckwalter joining you from Chaddock today, and I'm really looking forward to introducing you to our guest today. Her name is Kathy Spooner, and Kathy is an LCSW and an RPTS, Registered Play Therapist Supervisor, if anyone is unfamiliar with that abbreviation, and she has done lots of of training and consultation and supervision in various therapy models, um, particularly play therapy and expressive arts. And she also has a very strong background in DBT that she brings into her practice. One of the things that we're going to be talking about today is her recently released book, Attachment-Focused Family Play Therapy, an Intervention for Children and Adolescents After Trauma uh, by Kathy Spooner. And it actually just released in 2021. So this is a really recent book and I am so looking forward to Kathy joining us today and talking to us about her work and the various types of interventions and practices that she talks about in this book. So stay tuned. She will be here in just a minute. Join the Knowledge Center for an experiential workshop designed to support successful engagement of parents in the child therapy process. Karen Doyle Buckwalter will be joined by Daphna Lender for the other half of the equation, engaging parents in child therapy. This two-day workshop on April 28th and 29th will focus on how to identify parents who need more focused work, how to set goals for the parent, how to help parents initiate relationship repair, and more areas to help the child, parent, and therapist get the most out of the therapy session. Registration is now open. For more information or to register for the workshop, head to tkcchatter.org. Oh, Kathy, welcome to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Well, I am excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I just, I'm so excited to talk about your book. It's got so many great like nuggets in here and um, concepts and, and your whole overall framework. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, I did share with our listeners a bit about um, your training and your background as an LCSW and RPTS and all that great stuff. But I wonder if you might share a little informal uh bio about yourself, maybe how you got involved in this field and why attachment matters to you and what drew you to this work? Yeah, so I have, I'll be honest, I didn't realize this was unusual until probably the last few years. I've always known, even as a little girl, I've always known that I wanted to help kids. I I read all the S.E. Hinton books I read all the outsiders. That's what I read. The outsiders. (laughs) I read all all the Dibs books. I read, uh, so I read all of those. And I I had no idea what therapy was. So I, um, I got my degree, my bachelor's degree is teaching 
children in special ed with emotional problems. And while I was doing that, I worked in a self-contained classroom and there were two, we had a, uh, we had a self-contained center and there was a school psychologist and a school social worker. So, okay, this was back in the eighties, like the mid eighties. <laughs> and they were doing this. They had just found this thing they called play therapy and they were so excited. And I would look at them like, nah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and they would bring kids from my classroom into their offices and at the time they were using you know those those building blocks that like the wood blocks not, not colored or anything and they would have the kids go in there they take them out of my classroom they'd go in there spend like 30 minutes in there with my kids and then once or twice i remember the school psychologist came and got me she was so excited about what my client so i worked with elementary age kids okay my classroom were nine and ten um so she came and she she was so excited like look what they did it's so cool and i would look at it going in my head thinking what am I looking at? I don't know. <laughs> and then this was right around the time that Bruno Bettelheim's book, The Uses of Enchantment, came out. So if anybody has not read that book, it is an oldie but a goodie. And uh, Bruno Bettelheim looked at fairy tales from a Jungian standpoint, and he kind of interpreted fairy tales based, I'm not Jungian, Freudian. He looked at them uh, based on a Freudian. And so the school psychologist was really excited. And she asked me if I'd be willing to do a play therapy group with her. And I was like, I was up for anything. I'm like, all right. So we would act out fairy tales with the kids in my classroom. And she'd pick the, she'd pick the fairy tale. And then we'd all figure out who's the part. And she would narrate and then we'd act it out. And of course, I was, you know, I was a teacher, so I was the adult enforcing the, the rules and all those kinds of things. And so I always got chosen by the kids to be the evil adult. <laughs> and I have to say, I played my part well. I died well. I was good. Yeah. We all like permission to be the evil adult, right? <laughs> and, and you know what? I saw the impact that it had on the kids uh-huh. and their, and the impact in their relationship with me just through playing that out. And so I was hooked from that standpoint. Mm. And it's kind of from there, decided to get my degree in social work. And I, I got my master's degree in 1992, and then I was going to go out and use this play therapy thing. Right. Because clearly other people knew about it, um, but nobody did. And uh, I would, I because I've always wanted to work with kids. It's always been my population. But I could not find anybody to help me figure out what this play therapy thing was. It was probably, so that was like 1992. It wasn't until almost 20 years later, actually, that I found somebody who knew what they were talking about. And she pointed me in the right direction. And so it's been, uh, I've been using play therapy effectively 
I'll say effectively since that point. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. When I saw Bettelheim mentioned in the book, I was like, oh, you know, uh, you don't hear people talk about that work very much anymore. So so I was delighted by that. So I also had some real surprises by this book. Um, pleasant surprises. Um, sometimes you don't know like what you're expecting until that's kind of not what happened. So, you know, I thought it was going to be very heavy on like play techniques that you use with families but really that's not what it's heavy on at all is it no no yeah so it's much more it's much uh i love it because it's a much more uh broad overall paradigm um for working with families in play therapy and some of the things that i i really really loved um as a, a, a trained family therapist myself, um, was your emphasis on family therapy, family systems, um, and looking at also siblings. I mean, I thought that that was fantastic. Um, we, you know, in, in the work that I do in, in adoption, um, you know, sometimes the child being brought to us that's struggling is the adopted child and there could be other adopted children or biological children or whoever and there's often this like over focus almost in a a negative way on on the adopted child but then sort of the the siblings just being lost in the shuffle too you know so i so appreciated you bringing up siblings because so often it even if we're talking about working with the dyad, the parent and the child, you know, not just working individually with the child, still siblings are left out. So I was like, oh, I just love, I love you. And then, and then, I, and then we'll talk about this more later, then I am very big on the use of video. I had no idea you were gonna talk about the use of video. Um, other than people trained in TheraPlay, um, or video intervention therapy, which is another way that I use video. You know, you're just not finding a lot of people talking about the use of video. And I was like, oh, oh gosh, now she's talking about the use of video. I mean, this is just getting better and better. Um, and then of course, you know, all of your opening about interpersonal neurobiology and, and that, that part of your model. So I just, you know, really want to tell listeners that you, I really love, love the book and it's, um, really different than a lot of books out there where you're thinking more technique and it's it's more of this overall model that you've developed yeah and you know one of the reasons i um i decided to say yes to writing it um was i i like a framework and i I'll be honest, I am terrible about sticking to a prescribed model. I It's hard for me because it feels too cookie cutter. And I, I find, and even through my supervision, I find if I have a net, if I have a framework to navigate from, then I can do my clinical decision making with my specific family to figure out where I'm going and what I need to do. So if I have a framework, then that 
gives me like a roadmap. That's kind of how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why I, I wanted something that gave me flexibility, but also kept me grounded in theory and research because mm-hmm. I, I think that's key. Mm-hmm. That's when I think we go off the rails a little bit in the mental health field is when we don't have something grounded in, in theory and research. Um, and so this, this provided some flexibility for that. And I, I love getting everybody in the session because I've, I've had blended families in there with, uh, not, I, not the divorced parents, but like the, the parent and the step parent, and then their, their kids. I, I've had uh, a mom, a stepdad, where the, one ha- one of the parents had two children, another one had another children, and they had a three-year-old and a toddler, and they were all in there. And we were doing play therapy things because here's why. If I can get everybody, and the home base, the intensive in-home base people know what I'm about to say because they see everything. Right. If you're in my office, even like the little toddler, I want to see how the rest of the family is adjusting to the different needs of the different kids, their personalities or developmental stages. And I want to see how the parents handle that. Mm -hmm. It it does feel a little, I'm sure it looks a little like chaos. Yes. Anybody was watching, but for me, especially in the early stages, when I'm getting a sense of what's going on, I'll, I'll structure it more in the, in the next phases. But in the, in the beginning, if I can see what's going on, I get a better sense of the dynamics, um, who takes up the space in the family. Yes. Uh, yes. Thanks. Yeah. So, so yeah. just, just so we're clear with listeners, because sometimes, you know, when people hear play therapy, even though you're calling it family play therapy, they're thinking parents in a waiting room, therapist takes child back to play therapy room there may be a little discussion before or after the session with the parent parents could be involved in the session depending on the model but what you're saying just i want everybody to not just like leap to kind of what you're familiar with you're saying i am having the entire family come into my office parents identified client siblings i'm having everybody come in there and we do especially in your first phase and we're going to talk about your phases in a minute of treatment every the whole family is coming in and doing some kinds of play activities that's at least part of it so i just want to make sure like everybody's clear on that because i think we have this default mode of going to this other idea would you agree Yeah, absolutely. And just for clarification, there are times when I don't have everybody in there. I may just right. have siblings or I might just have some of the family in there. And then sometimes it's, you know, they're not always available all the time. So I kind of navigate and see what makes the most sense. And to me, that's where the flexibility comes in. But in the beginning, if I can get everybody in there, at least for that first phase, I am a happy camper. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your phases. Um, and, um, you know, I think what I was thinking about when you were speaking earlier in terms of a model and a theory to ground you, but not, um, overly prescriptive. So I think we're seeing a, we've seen a lot in the last 10 to 15 years with evidence-based practice and, you know, some models being very prescriptive. You do this in TFCBT, for example, you know, this is what you do in this session. This is this, this is next. Um, this is how you do the narrative, um, all of that uh, versus something like child parent psychotherapy, which is much, we hold much looser and it's more of a core components um, to the model and phases to the model. Um, and so I see, I see yours fitting much more in that latter category, I believe is what you were saying. That sounds probably accurate. I'm not, I mean, I know of that model, but I don't really know it because I. Right, right. Yeah, I, I wasn't talking specifically about the model, but just these two kind of ways yeah. that therapy practices are rolled out and studied and, and everything. Yeah. So good, good, good. I just wanted to clarify that in people's minds as well because you know you're really talking about something kind of different than than the way some people are going about this and that, that's one of the things that makes the book just so fantastic yeah I'm a big fan of um and I think that's one of my frustrations so I've been I've been in the mental health field almost 30 years now um and found the Association for Play Therapy and their uh, RPT certification process back, I think it was in 2003, I think is when I finally found it, something like that. I think that's one of my biggest frustrations is we, we, we focus on working with children, but we don't integrate the parents in more and I had a professor in my policy class, and I'm terrible at policy. It never made any sense to me. But he did one thing that made has stuck in my mind. And this was back in the days of blackboards, I think. But it's like the classroom had this long, long wall of a blackboard. And he took a piece of chalk, and he drew a horizontal line from one end of the blackboard to the other end of the blackboard. And then they walked randomly to one spot, drew a little dot and said, you are a dot in the life of your client. And it put everything in perspective. I'm a dot. I always strive to be a good dot. Like I want to be a helpful <laughs> dot, but I'm a dot. Yeah. And in my, it, I am a huge believer in Children need their co-regulators. Yes. They are learning their, their emotion regulation circuitry is developing. They need their parents as their co-regulator. I, I describe it to parents and I'll say, you know, I'll just their emotion regulation circuitry is developing. These are for the, I call them the, like the little tiny emotional tornadoes, <laughs> you know, the ones that are get a lot of attention. Um, and, and I'll say to them, they kind of have to borrow your emotion circuitry for regulating for a little while mm -hmm. until they can internalize that. And it, 
it's kind of frustrating to me that we as a profession, and I get it. I mean, I totally get it why it's a whole other skill set and when you're when you're learning play therapy you you know you're trying to get it down and to me i i think it's important that we understand the role of helping children use their parents or their caregivers if they're not living with parents use their caregivers and teachers are co-regulators especially mm-hmm. in elementary age um use them for their co-regulation so to me uh, and because that's the attachment piece of it and the neuroscience yes. of it. Yes. And because I, my foundational training is family systems theory. That's what I left graduate school, very family systems oriented. Um, and so if we don't, I also think like children live in context. We have to look at them in context. We need to look at them in context of their family and their system which means who are they living with and what are those relationships like? So I, I mean, can, I worked in residential treatment. So we moved West to the West coast about four and a half years ago. And I moved out here and worked in a couple of residential treatment centers. And, you know, um, they've been unsuccessful in living at home, which is usually means that, trauma left in their wake at home is is huge and so their relationships are usually kind of wrecked including with the siblings so part of the repair work to me is helping them to do that repair work with their sis with their siblings and that's another source of support um, when you hear about people who have strong sibling relationships that's a really powerful resource for them but uh, not all families have that yeah yeah I just feel like we are kindred spirits on a lot of this (laughs) Kathy I really really do um one of the things that I share over and over is if you're working from an attachment-based perspective your client is the relationship Yes. In case the parent-child relationship, not your client's not the child, your client's not the parent, but we could go so as, as so far as to say also it's the family system. I mean, this is tradition, traditional family systems theory um, that, you know, has sometimes been a little forgotten. Um, another thing that you bring up too is that a lot of people don't talk about these days. I'm like, yes, go Kathy, um, <laughs> is looking at even generational patterns of family systems work. And so, you know, that, you know, just being, being so, so, so important and, you know, just really, really love that you brought that up. Yeah. So, yes, I just love that you bring that whole family systems idea into the work. It's so, so important. Wonderful that you have that training and that background. And, you know, sometimes people, move on to another model and they, to use the old phrase, they, you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, I feel like I did that. I I had um, a lot of training in family systems theory. And then when I started working with children with severe attachment issues, 
usually in foster and adopt situations, I started reading, oh, you know, you can't use family systems theory there. That's a whole different thing because the pathology didn't develop in the family system. And, you know, there were articles to parents. If the therapist tries to look at, you know, anything related to you, you need to fire them. They don't understand attachment disorder or whatever. Um, and what I came to learn, it's, it's a both and. Even if some of the difficulties didn't develop in the family system, there are things in the family system that can um, perpetuate it or exacerbate it, you know? So I love that you were able to, you know, all the way along the line, you know, hang on to these pieces um, and bring, bring them into your model. So that's just great. Thank you. Yeah. So what, let's talk about, you have these, these four, four phases. Um, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the observation and assessment phase, safety and engagement, realignment, and then the attunement and termination phase. And I wanted to um, start talking. Why don't you just, well, of course, you have a whole chapter before that on just like general principles before you get into these phases. But I want to, I do want to start talking some um, about the phases, but are, what are some general things you want us to be aware of before we start breaking this down into the phases? Well, when I, when I was thinking about the framework yes. uh, and how to conceptualize it because i'm a big fan of case conceptualization so important how do we get from a to z um and i thought about okay so when they come in they're in crisis and chaos and by the end we want them regulated and attached and what has to happen from one point to the next and that's essentially the the process is first getting a sense of what's going on. And then the next phase is we're not going to do anything until they feel safe. Like no, and everybody, especially if you're getting more than one person in the room, um, everybody has to feel safe and they're going to feel safe at different paces and in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's that whole polyvagal thing of, Social engagement can't happen until threat is um, that that circuitry is deactivated. Meaning, right. I feel safe and comfortable. This this is a safe place. I can now engage my approach circuits, and you can't you can't engage the play circuits and engage play unless they feel safe. Well, to right. me, that's another like who's who's engaging in the play, who's not engaging in the play? Are they fully engaging? Are they not engaging? How are other people responding to that? All, all of those things. Um, so first and, first and foremost, they have to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're talking about traumatized kids. Yes. Because they're always scanning the environment for danger, danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> yes, know? yes. Lost. I love it. Love a lost in space reference. Yeah. yeah. Very good. And then what about, and of course, we, we can um, go into more detail on some of these in the in the second half of um, the podcast. But what about realignment? Just as a basic thing, what would you say about that one? I, I would say that's the ouch, ouch, ouch phase. Meaning. <laughs> Change is painful. Yeah. So now this is, we've got the safety. 
there's a little bit of trust. Now I can challenge. And this is one of the things that, so I'm foundationally trained in DBT and here's yes. things I love, 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 love about DBT is the dialectic. So a dialectic is two things can be true at the same time. So the dialectic of acceptance and change. Mm-hmm. Acceptance is I'm doing the best that I can all the time. I'm doing the best that I can. Change part is, and I can do better. So I, I call it the, you know, the hug and the push, the hug and the push. Uh-huh. Me, I'm going to help you feel safe. And now you're going to do better. But it's painful. Right. Change is right. painful. So that's the realignment is where you're, you're re-changing everything. You're helping look at relationships different ways. Are they safe? We're starting to, parents are starting to read cues of their child and make sense of them and know how to respond to those instead of uh, being freaked out and overwhelmed by cues that make no sense. Yes, yes, yes. And then you, the next um, is the final phase, the attunement phase and then termination. So what about just a brief synopsis of, of that, that part? Well, that, that part is more about, okay, we've made the change. Now we want to get those softwired circuits a little more hardwired, give a little more practice and comfort. And then, um, and then when they're at that phase, you're at that point, you're kind of looking at when they're ready to terminate and, I mean, if you're talking about attachment issues and trauma, then your termination is also going to come. You know, they're going to be challenged by that. It's hard. Yes. Terminate. So they kind of panic a little bit, Um, which makes sense. Yes. Yes. That's kind of how I look at it. Yes. Yes. Well, Kathy, this has been so good talking with you about this. And um, listeners, I want you to know that um, we'd love to have you back for part two of this next week um, with Kathy Spooner talking about her work and in her new book, Attachment Focused Family Play Therapy. We're going to break down these phases a little bit and and talk about some more uh, foundational aspects of her model. So we hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory. 